something that I've been noticing, I suppose, for the past five or ten years, maybe, maybe longer, is that Advent doesn't really exist in America. You know, people, people still respect Lent, and you even have, like, McDonald's will do the, the filet of fish every Friday during Lent, give you a special deal on that, because, it's, you know, they're, they're kind of this ethereal, there's Catholics out there somewhere, and the one thing we know about them is they eat fish on Friday. That's all we really know. So there's at least that. <clears throat> but not with Advent. Advent's gone. Even Catholics, if you think about this, even Catholics really don't observe Advent anymore. And I think it's partially because they don't know what it's about. And they don't really know what to do. Lent is easy, right? Just everything's terrible during Lent. <laughs> you just... Give up happiness. And, and then when Easter comes around, it's like, yeah. But Advent, they're like, uh. Especially this year, it's like the shortest it can ever be. It's like three weeks. And I can almost guarantee I can prove to you that Advent doesn't exist for most Catholics. Because I would be willing to bet, you don't have to shake your, hand, shake your heads, raise your hands, anything like that. I would be willing to bet that most of you have some sort of Christmas decorations up already. Be that a tree decorated, uh, lights, some sort of Christmas decoration is in your house. And if you don't, good on you. If you do, can I just suggest something to you? Turn all the lights off. I'm not telling you to take the tree down. That's too much work. Keep the tree up. Keep all of the lights off. Off your house, off your tree, all of it. No presents under the tree, nothing. Until at least, at least the third Sunday of Advent, which is next Sunday. Okay? The third Sunday of Advent is all about, remember we, used, we have rose, pink. Right? And I, as I was walking over to Mass this morning, I looked over and the sky was just this gorgeous, like, pink hue. Right? Why? Because the sun's almost risen. And the third Sunday of, of, of Advent is called Gaudete Sunday. It's when we rejoice, right? We're rejoicing because the light's almost here. So then, then you can turn your lights on. Because do you know that lights, lights symbolize, they're not just fun things to put on our house to make us look cool and everybody envy how many lights we can have on our homes. They're about, the light that we put on our homes is a symbol of the Christ, the light. That's why we light stuff up, because Jesus is coming. And so please, if you do, turn them off. And if you haven't done anything, I would suggest if you haven't done anything, wait till Christmas Eve. That would be the best. But if you can't, if you just can't do it, like third Sunday of Advent, okay? But Advent is this designated time to prepare our hearts. Prepare them for what? The coming of Jesus at Christmas. Well, he did, well Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He did. And he's going to come at the end of time. But in between these two major moments is the coming of Jesus into our lives every single day. And Advent, like Lent, is this designated time to get our hearts back in the place of receiving we so often, right, get off track. And Advent helps us to get back on track, just like Lent does. And the readings this, this week, they're all about this anxious anticipation of the coming of Christ. And I would argue that that should be our heart every day. Do we anxiously await his coming? Like John the Baptist is like, oh man, he's coming, man. When he comes, it's going to be awesome. Right? And he's like getting everybody fired up for it. He is waiting in anxious anticipation. The prophet Isaiah 
waiting in anxious anticipation, saying the Messiah is going to come. And when it does, it's going to change everything. And like John the Baptist, like the prophets, you and I ought to be waiting like that every single day. But our country has done a fine job of getting rid of waiting. And I would argue that Amazon gets first place ribbon for this. They are the masters of getting rid of the wait or making it as short as possible, right? I was thinking about, and there's a lot of ways our country's gotten rid of waiting, but Amazon just popped into my, into my head. You know, I can go to Menards and buy something. I need something, I go to Menards, I know they have it. But I am so lazy that I will get on Amazon and I'll order it from them, knowing two wonderful things. Number three, actually, one, I'm gonna get it cheaper. Two, it's going to be at my front door in two days. And three, if I don't like it, they'll take it back for free. They, 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 they've killed the process of, of like going out and actually purchasing something. One click. You remember, they, they started one click. It's like, we're so lazy, we can't even enter our, our credit card information anymore. So when we buy something, we just click and it's done. They take care of everything else. There is no more waiting in line. It's incredible how fast they have speeded, they've sped things up. Prime Video is another one that, you remember when you had to, I might be dating myself a little bit, but you guys remember Blockbuster Video? <laughs> right? And uh, you actually had to go down to the video store and like peruse back and forth until you got the thing that you wanted. And then you brought it home and you were all excited and you put it in and some jerk wasn't kind and didn't rewind. You remember that campaign? And so you got to sit there and you're like, oh, and you just hit rewind and stand there and just wait until it was done. And then you'd watch your movie. At the end, if you were kind, you would rewind before you returned it back to the store before you got charged late fees. I know. It's crazy back then. (laughs) Now we have whatever we want at our fingertips. I mean, you just click and you got a movie. And you know what else I've noticed is that they can actually, if, based on this, this whole system they set up, they can charge you more and you'll pay it because you don't have to go down to the movie store. So the other night I was watching a movie. My dad came over. We had a nice little supper and we were watching a movie. We were going through it. I've been watching a series of movies for my class because I'm trying to pick the best movie that kind of encaptures feminism, right? I got masculine... The masculine movie, we're watching Braveheart. That's a no-brainer. But for, for the women, so I've been watching all these different movies. And so, uh, you know what it has like? You can rent or buy. And then sometimes you click on a movie and it just says buy. You don't have the option to rent. And maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure that out. But I was sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, should I buy it? Should I not? And I was like, ah, whatever. What the, much to my father's disapproval, I bought it, Right? And then, like, two weeks later, my credit card bill comes in, in the mail, and I look at it, and I was like, did I really spend $20 on the live-action Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> and I did. In fact, I really did do that. It was incredible. But I've also noticed that waiting, if it's done right, it can actually increase joy. And excitement within your life. Because the more you wait for something, when it, ha- when it does arrive, the excitement is that much greater. This is part of the reason I hate social media. Because I, if I haven't seen somebody for 10 years, 
When they show up, if I'm watching their social media feed, I know everything that's happened in their life in the last 10 years. But if I don't, when they show up, I can actually be like, hey, how's it going? Like, tell me about life. And we can have like an actual conversation. Do you remember those two? When we used to sit down and talk to people? Waiting can be something that's very profound. And I've noticed most profoundly, you know, waiting in a lot of different parts of my life. But one of the ways that I see it is in hunting, especially bow hunting. If any of you bow hunt, you know that you have to wait a long time. Like you have to wait and wait and wait and wait. And you'll get to a point where you're like, there's no deer even here. Like, this is a waste of my time. I'm freezing. Why did I come out here? And at that point, usually I put my head down on my bow and I'm miserable. And I usually start praying my rosary at that point. And then they're there. And it's too late. Because I, I look up, the deer sees me, they're gone. I don't even have my, I, I don't have my bow ready, I have nothing ready. And I miss it. Because I wasn't waiting with eager expectation that something was going to happen. I didn't believe anything was going to happen. And because of it, I missed the moment. And I would argue, you guys, a lot, that is a lot like the spiritual life. And we miss so much, mainly, I think, because we don't believe, we, we, we don't have any type of, like, expectation that God's going to do something. Did you come here expecting God to do something? Did you come here with something that you want God to do for you? And here's the other thing. The other thing I've noticed, we never practice. You know, I've missed a lot of shots in my life, and it's mainly because I don't practice. And we miss a lot of things in our lives because we, we, we fail to practice receiving God. And what we call that is prayer. We don't pray. And because of that, we miss him all the time. And then we get upset for God for not doing anything in our lives. And yet we don't expect anything from him. We don't talk to him. And then we blame him for when things go bad. I was thinking about this um, receiving Missing God, not receiving Him. And the reason I got thinking about it is on my, on my birthday this year, November 11th, there was a, I think it was November 11th, there was a game, college football game, and Clemson uh, was playing. I don't remember who they were playing, but Tyler Brown made this insane catch. It was incredible. You can watch it. He, like, is in the end zone, and he's one-handed, reaching back, and grabs it and pulls it. And everybody's like, that was the most amazing catch. And it got some publicity. But what it did is it brought back this other catch that everybody, I think, that watched football remembers. They call it the greatest catch of all time. The one who made it, Odell Beckham Jr. Against the Cowboys in 2014, he was playing for the New York Giants. It is, it is literally Incredible! Like Amazon probability on this thing was like 2%. He is leaning back. He has these three fingers are touching the tip of the football. He's bent because the cornerback is hitting him in the back. And he's leaning back and he somehow manages to catch the ball with three fingers and pull it in for a touchdown. They still say that there has never been a greater catch. And I got on a rabbit hole with this whole thing. And I started to, started to study Odell Beckham Jr. That catch didn't happen by chance. It wasn't just like he just got lucky and he was a decent receiver. 
Odell Beckham Jr., when he was first starting in the NFL, his buddy from college, Jarvis Landry, these two decided, they said, if you want to make the greatest catches of all time, you've got to be able to do it one-handed. Because that would be the most epic thing. And so you know what they did? There is video of this. Odell Beckham Jr. is laying on the ground. They would go into the training facility late at night when everybody was in bed from like 10 to midnight and they would lay on the ground and they would use the football throwing machine at like, and they would put it at like 25 miles an hour. They are whizzing balls, right? And Odell Beckham Jr. is laying on the ground with his hands at his side and, and Jarvis Landry would launch one and he'd just boom, catch it. Boom, catch it. And he would do it with both hands, with his left and his right. It is insane to watch. And so you know what he was thinking? Here's what was going through his mind. He expected that this is probably one of the problems with wide receivers in the NFL. They think they can do anything, right? (laughs) But they have high expectations of themselves, that they can make incredible grabs. They practice relentlessly. And they believe that it can happen. Everybody said that the the catch that Odell Beckham Jr. made was impossible until what? It was possible. And that, you guys, I would suggest can happen with us. You see, when his time came for the catch, it wasn't just luck. He had prepared for the moment. And when the moment came, he was ready and did the impossible. You have to believe something is going to happen. You have to expect that something's going to happen. And then you have to work on it. I'm talking about, you guys, the weaknesses in your lives, the sins in your lives. God wants to fix those. But he's not just going to snap his fingers and say, he's not this fairy tale God. He became one of us. Why? To show us that he wants to be with us and work with us. So what are you waiting for? What do you expect? Do you expect anything? Because if you don't expect anything's going to happen, it never will. It never will. Because it's what's happening in the gospel today. People are coming to John the Baptist. They're expecting to change. They want to be different. That's why they go out for the baptism. And John says, listen. What I want, what you want, I can't give. But don't worry. There is one coming after me. And he won't just forgive sins. He will give you the grace of the Holy Spirit, which is the grace to change. One of my favorite paintings, it's kind of goofy, but do you guys remember the picture of Jesus knocking at the door? You remember this painting? It's really famous. He's holding a lantern and he's knocking at the door. If you look very closely at that door... There's no knob on it. Why? Because Jesus will not force himself in. He wants him, but you have to open the door. And that opening of the door can hurt because once you open the door, you got to change. He'll help you. He'll give you the grace. But you got to do the work. But if we believe and expect great things and we understand that Jesus didn't come to become one of us, to die, to rise from the dead so that we could just feel good and then go about our lives. He came so that we could see that nothing is beyond his power, not even death. 
And because of that, we would expect great things from him. And that we would live as he lived. And that we would know from his life, death, and resurrection that what seems impossible with God is always possible. Jesus, give us the grace to really believe that.